previously on Death and Axes. Dorshan had finished gathering his expeditionary party for his trip to the Iron Dwarf Enclave of Blood Iron Bastion, but his final and perhaps most mission-critical recruit, the stone elf nomad Ramus, was still recovering from a recent exposure to the Ebon Plague. Deciding to risk traveling without their caravan, Dorshan decided to stay in the large town of Sadebeer until the elf was well enough to move. The Paladin of Assault struggled mightily to keep some secret from Dorshan about his companion Petra, whom Dorshan still had yet to meet. Dorshan was growing suspicious, but his priorities were elsewhere. More discreet, in actions if not appearance, the sellsword Decim was still concealing a bundle of items taken from a blood mage they had slain on their last contract before Dorshan hired them. A bundle of scrolls, two books, and a jagged red iron dagger covered in grim runes. After two nights in an incredibly posh hotel room, Ramus was able to recover despite Dorshan's accidental attempt to poison him. So the party sets out. Oh. And let's not forget, Ramus's skin is still plastered in the crumbling hot pink makeup that Dorshan convinced him would help him appear more discreet in public. And so without further ado, let us return now to our party's adventures in the free cities of Ophesia. As the party walks out of Sadebeer along the main dirt road heading to the northwest, you see fertile farmland stretching across low rolling hills in every direction. The road itself mostly follows the shallow valleys and rivers to avoid steep inclines, but occasionally it crests a hill allowing you to see for miles in every direction. On the horizon you can almost make out the forested mountains of the Steel Dwarves to the southwest, rolling into the foothills of the Iron Dwarves to the northwest. Due north, you can just barely make out the ocean's edge, and back to the east, the buildings of Sadebeer are all beginning to run together into a single gray and orange blot in the distance. At this point, it's been a few hours, and it's just afternoon. You've traveled several miles and have already passed a small village, far enough from Sadebeer to be considered its own population center of maybe 50 to 100 people. From the crest of this hill, you can see a few similarly sized villages dotting the surrounding hills, servicing the farmers who are just now beginning to bring in their early harvests. You've passed a few of these farmers on the road, carting their goods into town. And that's when the realization strikes you. As you look across the land, seeing clearly for miles, there is not one ebon scar, not a single patch of black or burnt earth. It's common knowledge that it takes a generation of aggressive tilling to restore the fertility to land scarred by the ebon plague. Even in a land as peaceful and prosperous as Kahim, it's strange to think that they'd be able to keep up with the outbreaks, let alone restore one patch before the next boils up. So it's common for that to be kind of everywhere you go? Uh, it's common. You would expect to see a patch at least every several miles. Uh, a given scar, if it's contained quickly enough, could be as small as 30 yards, uh, but they can grow to engulf an entire city. Uh, or even an entire region like the gray wastes that separate the goblin swamps from the copper canyons. Geography affects it as well. There are fewer outbreaks at higher altitudes, while a bad outbreak at the uh, base of a river or in a region's aquifer could create a chaining outbreak that would eat an entire swath of territory. And in, in low rolling hills like these crisscrossed by rivers, you'd expect the lands to be far more deeply affected than this. Does it look like anything's been uh, maintained? Like, uh, our fields cut? Is the grass and uh, flora 
just like wild and tall. Oh no, this is really well tended farmland that looks abundantly fertile. Okay. So there's no there's no scarring and there's no traffic? No, this is actually it's it's relatively high traffic for such a sort of sparsely populated rural area like this. This might be my normal looks like, except that we're walking down the road. <laughs> Okay, uh, so this is the only warning I'm going to give you. We are exiting the sort of tutorial casual introduction phase with cinematic fast travel. This is a very dangerous world, and even on the roads, you are likely to be harried. Not every encounter I throw at you is going to be balanced or fair, and in fact, most will not. It is not my goal to kill any of you, but it is my goal to make you suffer. That said, lack of planning and poor decisions coupled with bad luck can and will lead to serious injury or death. Full disclosure. Judgment. Judgment. <laughs> hey, hey, Darkson, just run right in there. You got this. Just, just <laughs> outsmart him every time. Just like a, like a smart missile. You just take him. <laughs> that vampire, just go talk to it. <laughs> no, Dorshan's, Dorshan's tactic is to run away. That is why he is hired three sturdy looking individuals with weapons with which to stand in front of him. (laughs) Ooh. All right. So as you're coming down the hill, you spot another farmer coming down the road, uh, headed in the opposite direction from you. He's walking beside his horse, which is pulling a cart that's filled with like crates of produce and, and other farmerly things. Okay, so Dorshan, with your passive perception, you uh, just as you're about to pass the farmer, he's maybe another ten yards up the road. Your danger sense goes off, uh, but before you actually hear anything, you're, you're just sort of sensing this rumbling from below the earth. Uh oh. So as the sound is building just enough to be audible, you get the sense that it's coming from multiple directions and moving slowly and deliberately towards the road. Why do I hear the Jaws theme music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, so I'll be like, something's wrong. What is it? Okay, so that's when you hear it, Ramus. A deep rumbling from below that's rising towards the surface from directly beneath you. Uh, Salt and Decim are still totally unaware. Oh, great. Get her! So, Salt and Decim, the warning that Dorshan uh, gave you is just enough that you were able to draw your weapons and spread out a bit. Yay! Um, so the party isn't so clumped up on the road. But since you don't know exactly where the threat is coming from, you are still going to be considered surprised. Sure. Uh, so, Dorshan and Ramis get to act normally in this first round as we roll for initiative. Okay. So looking at the order here, we're going to start with the enemy. Uh, So just up the road, you see the farmer's horse whinny and rear back as the soil beneath its hooves cracks and softens, and the ground crumbles beneath it into a sinkhole 10 feet uh, wide by 10 feet deep, and this bug-like creature bursts up and catches the animal by its hindquarters in these massive pincers as it falls in. Uh, it's a deep reddish brown, and all you can really see over the crest of the hole is that its front limbs are this pair of massive scooped claws that look like they're built for digging. Now, who has the heaviest footsteps? Me. 
Unless anyone else is playing plate, that'd be me. I got I've got full chainmail on. And and I'm wielding a glaive. I was gonna say I have chain on. Okay. With a great sword. You're probably you're you're it, we'd be almost the same, but you're taller than me. Right. I have like I think my total weight's around hundred and twenty. Maybe hundred and twenty one. But you have much better stealth. So Oh, between your your size, uh, your gear, and your stealth scores, Dorshan and Salt, I'm going to need dexterity saving throws. Uh, Dorshan has advantage because they were able to sense the beast's approach, but Salt, you're going to have disadvantage because you are surprised. Yeah, I don't think I made it. Oh man, even with advantage. So, Dorshan, with a 9, you are unable to clear the edge of the sinkhole that opens up under your feet. Uh, as the earth crumbles beneath you, and you are snatched up by this pair of massive pincers taking... Jesus Christ. Uh... You lose a leg! <laughs> <laughs> you take 13 slashing damage and 4 acid damage as you are gripped in the maw of this chitinous beast. Oh no. And the caustic saliva dripping down its pincers begins to sizzle away at your robes. Each pincer is the size of a greatsword, and you are grappled tight with your arms pressed against your sides as you stare into this cluster of multifaceted eyes. And salt. Okay, so even with this advantage, that 13 is still going to be just enough to throw yourself clear. But you're, you're left prone at the edge of the sinkhole as you barely avoid the beast grabbing pincers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are three of these giant antlion things in total. One of them has just assaulted the farmer's horse up the road, and the other two are definitely after you guys. So, Dorshan, it's your turn. You are currently grappled and pretty badly hurt, and uh, another round of being crushed like this, and you're likely to end up with a pretty serious injury. Yes, um, very much so. Okay, so I'm going to... I'm going to cast Sanctuary on myself. <laughs> Not to... Not to put a wrench into things, but is he still grappled, or did he break out of the grapple first? Oh, right, that has a somatic uh, gesture component. So you have to escape the grapple, or at least get one of your hands free before you can cast it. All right, well, rather than Sanctuary, I guess I'm going to try to break out of the grapple. I mean, you might be able to do both. Escaping is a standard action, and Sanctuary's casting time is just a bonus action. So uh, to escape, go ahead and make uh, either an athletics or an acrobatics check. I'll go for acrobatics. (laughs) Well, there you go. Uh, With a 19, you manage to easily contort and twist your way out of the creature's pincers, and uh, you kind of land at the bottom of the sinkhole, uh, and you kind of have to press yourself against the wall of the pit so you don't fall against uh, its lower torso. And so now you can cast Sanctuary. Yes. So that'll keep it from attacking you until it can make a saving throw against the spell. All right, so Ramus. Okay, so there's one or there's two? There's two attacking the party and one munching down on a horse down the road uh, about 10 yards. So the one that just released, Dorshan, I'm going to go ahead and attack that one twice. Okay. Um, Oh, as a bonus action, I'm going to cast Hunter's Mark on it. Wait, do you get two attacks yet? So in the first round, I have like oh, an ambush yeah, type yeah, 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 power yeah, yeah. that lets me attack twice. The 11 misses, but the 18 hits. So the total would be 17. 
Wow. Okay, so 17 damage to the first one. Avenge me! <laughs> so the arrow finds its way into a gap in the like heavier chitin around the creature's left shoulder. It's it's like clearly sort of startled by the pain, but just for a moment, and and then it seems like you you just made it angrier. I back away <laughs> <laughs> as far as I can from all of them. Dorshan, the one that was attacking you is going to try and overcome your sanctuary spell by making a wisdom save, and it rolls a natural twenty. Uh, bye, Nathan. Oh no. I loved you. Well, it was fun while it lasted. <laughs> So it rears back and opens its maw wide, then it just, like leans forward, spitting this gout of caustic digestive enzymes at... Uh... Okay, it angles the line of acid so that it will hit Dorshan and Decim. And I'll need you both to make deck saves. Uh... Ooh, yeah, sorry. A 10 and a 9 are not going to do it. Womp womp. Womp womp. You each take ju- just four points of acid damage. Uh, as this caustic bile just sort of lightly splashes across you. Yowchies. Well, I'm not dead. <laughs> well, that's good. That's something. Salt. Uh, yeah. The one that was going after you kind of clicks and chitters and then swoops down to try and clobber you with one of its heavy digging claws. And it's going to get advantage because you were knocked prone when you jumped out of the way. Whew. 19 on the die, very nearly a crit. So it does 13 bludgeoning damage as it swings this massive claw down on you. Oh, goodness. Just knocking the wind out of you as it crushes you into the earth. Okay. Uh, Meanwhile, the one down the road is still trying to finish off that horse, and the farmer just does not seem equipped to handle this at all, and he's just kind of frozen. So rolling back around the initiative, it is Dorshan's turn. Okay, so I'm in this. I'm in a pit with this thing, so we're toe-to-toe. Yeah. And um, This is the one that Ramesh shot. Does it get an attack of opportunity on me when I cast a spell? Uh, that is not a standard rule anymore in 5th edition. There are some feats or abilities that allow that, but not by default. Uh, you do have disadvantage on any attack rolls with ranged attacks in melee, though. Oh, awesome. Okay, I'm going to... Um, <laughs> then I'm going to cast... I'm going to let. I'm going to tip my hand here. I'm going to cast Eldritch Blast. Okay, so even with this advantage, a 14 is still going to hit. And which uh, which version of that did you take? It has the um, um, the pushback. And how far does it push? 10 feet. All right, so you project this blast of arcane energy up into the softer chitin of the creature's belly and for what's that say seven okay so it takes seven force damage and it's just thrown all the way out of the sinkhole uh landing prone at the lip of it anybody have any arcana (laughs) not not a lick then that was totally a pre-spell that's all you need know (laughs) sounds about right looks magic-y to me okay so decim there's one that is attacking the money and one that is attacking the dwarf. <laughs> and you're you're no more than 20 feet from either, so you could you could make it to to whichever one you want in a single move. Okay. Are these things large? Yes, they're considered large. Uh, now that one of them has been thrown out of its hole, you can see they're about 15 feet long and three feet wide. Um, so is she getting a full action? Yeah, we're back in normal initiative. Ah. I was okay. gonna say yeah. So a full action. 
Okay, so I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna take my sword and sort of nick my hand slightly and give the weapon blood, and then I'm going to um, hit the uh, the money worm. <laughs> and let's see. Oh, it's uh, prone, so you get advantage. Oh. Ooh. Shoot. A nine and a ten are not gonna cut it. All right. So this trail of dim red smoke travels down the length of your greatsword as you cast Rending Strike, but when you wind back and swing the blade, you you just fail to make contact. Okay, so that didn't go well. So now you get a... Was that your bonus action and your action? Bonus action, and yeah, so my weapon's still charged. I'm good. I just whiffed on the first try. Okay. Uh, Ramis, it's your turn. Um... I'm going to take the same one that I have Hunter's Mark on, which I think is the one that was just recently prone. Yeah, the one that's attacking the money man. 16? Yay! Uh, you actually have advantage because it's it's still knocked prone, so you can roll again to see if you uh, if you can crit. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> the exact roll. So two 16s, uh, it's, that's a hit, so go ahead and roll damage. 13 total. Okay, so your arrow strikes true, and you hit it in the biggest of its six multifaceted buggy eyes, and it just reels and twists on the ground as it's still trying to stand up. So, Salt, uh, it's your turn. (laughs) So I get up as my action, and can I move? Getting up uses half your movement, so you can still use a standard action and a bonus action. Okay, so for my... um... I guess my action, I will uh, take a swing at the one in front of me. Okay. Right. Okay, I'm not. I'm at normal. Okay. All right, uh, a 14 just hits it. Okay. Nice. Max damage, so 13. Nice. Oh, done. Nicely I'm, done. I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, also give it a go. I'm going to pop it with Divine Smite. Uh, I think normally you would declare the smite before rolling damage, but... Uh, go ahead and spend the spell slot. It's fine. So it's 2d8 for a first level one. So do you want me to just roll 2d8? Yeah. Oh, well, that works. That's not bad. Seven radiant damage, so 20 total. So everyone sees Salt. Like, he rises up and readies his, his glaive, and he wheels it around, and with an upward swing, he buries it deep in one of the bug's armpits, er- erupting in this bright flash of light. All right, and so do I get a do I get a bonus action? Yeah, so smite spells use a bonus action, but the divine smite class ability that paladins have don't, which that's not at all confusing. So um, I'll just use my um, my bonus action to the back of my the back of my polearm. I'm not sure that's a thing. Polearm mastery. Polearm mastery. Oh, yes, polearm oh mastery. okay. So I'll just roll. What I'll do is I'll roll again, but then I'll do the damage because uh, it's only a D4, Jeff. Uh, 17 hits. Okay. And um, so I'll roll a D4, but I'm also going to use the smite again. <laughs> Not looking to leave anything in the tank there, huh? Okay, so I'm going to roll the D4 first, and then I'll roll the 2D8 next. Okay. Nice. Max on the D4. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so max on the d4 and 12 on the smite, so 16. Well done. Uh, okay, so y- you've got your your glaive like jammed up under one of its front arms, and then you 
you yank it back and you spin around and you just whack it across the face with the pummel on the other end in another just bright flash of light. So at a distance, I just see the dwarf stand up and then suddenly two blinding flashes of light come off and... and uh... Yeah, this the thing is just squealing and retching and there's green goo pouring from cracks in its carapace. Yeah, the thing is just like ruined almost because that was like 36 damage, I think. Okay, so it's their turn again. Oh no! That's what they do. So, the one that was attacking Moneybags... Bet you love that nickname, Nathan. (laughs) So, Dorshan, you knocked this one far enough away that it's not in melee range with you anymore. Uh, But Decim engaged with it, so it's going to roll back on its feet and attack Decim. That's fine. Uh, What's Decim's AC? 15. 15? Okay, so it just barely misses. Uh, It raises itself up putting its weight on its front claws and tries to bear down on you with its pincers, but you're able to sort of step to the side. So it ends up biting into the earth and it's, it's this caustic spit just kind of bubbles as it drips on the grass. It is good match. So then the one fighting salt is getting a little desperate and it, I mean, it almost seems a little punch drunk at this point as it tries to orient itself. And then it, lunges down at you with its pincers wide open. So a 19, that hits. That'll do it. That'll do it. It does 11 slashing damage and 4 acid damage. Oi. I'm at 7. Oh, yikes. Of of hit points? Mm Mm-hmm. And you are grappled. Uh-oh. It, it lifts you up in the air and begins trying to crush you with its massive pincers. And you can feel the heavy chain links of your mail pinch your skin through your gambeson while the beast spit just begins to burn through your clothes. Well, shoot. And checking in with the farmer down the road, it that, that horse, it's about to give up the fight. I mean, you're not even sure how that leg is still even attached at this point. Um, it, it's It's... It's an ugly scene. Uh, so, Dorshan, it's your turn. All right. So I'm still in the bottom of this pit. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Um, and, and from the looks of it, uh, if you were to make a wrong move trying to climb out of here, you could fall deeper into the hole that this thing punched through at the, the bottom of the pit. Oh, it didn't... It, it's not filled in afterwards? Nope. Can I see the tail end of this thing? Like, or can I see anything in, the, in here? Um, I would say it has full cover. You can kind of see it moving around up there uh, over the lip of the pit, but you don't really have a direct line of sight. Okay, wait, one sec. I suppose you could heal yourself. Yeah, since you're you busy in the hole, She's... nothing's attacking yeah, you. Use, use your healing magic, Nathan. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing. Well, technically, I do have healing magic. Um, I think it'd probably be more pertinent to my survival to um, help take one of these things out, especially since now its attention is no longer actually on me. So I'm going to cast Sacred Flame. It requires, um, it. Uh, targets are not protected by cover. Well, there you go. Hey. Nice. Go ahead and make your attack. It has to make a... Um, oh, it's a saving throw. Yes. Okay, let's see. Uh, it does not. So... You point to the air above the creature, and this burst of searing white flame erupts above its head and cascades down upon it. So, four, three. 
Yep, three whole damage. Three whole radiant damage. Radiant damage. Well, wouldn't you know, that is just enough to knock it out. Yay! Um, it's still technically alive, kind of, maybe, but it's unconscious, and it's it's kind of it's bleeding out from all its arrow wounds and from that scorching hole that you left uh, in its belly with your Eldritch Blast. <laughs> so uh, for the purposes of Hunter's Mark, does it count as down? Yeah, out it's of out of the fight. fight, so you can move your mark. Okay. So Decim, uh, this antlion creature that's laid out in front of you has fallen unconscious, but it's still kind of breathing, if that's what these things do. Uh, but it's pretty much out of the fight. <laughs> I was thinking that. Uh, to your right is Basalt being held up in the air in the mouths of one of these things, but it, it looks almost as bad off as this one. Uh, and up the road a little bit is the other one that looks like it's almost finished off the, the horse that it's got grabbed. Okay. Uh, how far away is it? I think I said it was 10 yards to the farmer, so 30 feet. And I'd say salt is about 20 feet. So you could get to either of them with, with one move. Uh, to attack either of them with your sword, you'll you'll have to slide down into the, the hole a little bit with them. I'm just wondering who needs more help. The horse. Uh, the one that's eating the horse is completely fresh. Uh, and the farmer still looks frozen. He does not have any capacity to deal with this thing. And just has that silent scream expression on his face. But he... But the farmer is far enough away from the thing to not get chomped on, or is it going to get chomped on next? Or He's still within range that that thing could turn on him as soon as it finishes uh, with the horse. Okay. Is there a way for me to like move towards the farmer and the horse and signal for Ramos to go towards helping Salt? Like, you go that way, I'll go this way? Yeah, I'd say just you know quickly pointing at Ramos and then to Basalt as a free action. Okay. And then I can move towards the farmer and the horse, and then attack. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and hit it with my greatsword. Okay. That's a 21. That's a hit. A fine hit. So rending strike is your weapon damage plus 2d8 necrotic. And if they fail a con save, they are knocked prone at your feet. So I'll roll the save while you roll the damage. So 11 plus 8, so 19. And it failed its save. So, Ramos, you see Decim give you this kind of vague hand gesture that maybe they're trying to tell you to go help Salt. And then they run off the uh, in the other direction down the road to the third antlion and leap at it with their great sword. And the effect that they'd placed on it, uh, on their sword, was subtle enough that you, it hadn't caught your attention. But as their blade bites into the beast's side you see this burst of wispy, deep red smoke driven out of it, and it just twists in this intense pain in response to the hit and just immediately releases its grip on the horse. Uh, And then Decim kind of follows it down uh, as it collapses in pain against the side of its pit. Cool. (laughs) So I I get her meaning, and I, I transfer my hunter's mark to the one that's grappling salt. And I'll go ahead and shoot. Okay. Uh, so do I have any risk of hitting salt while by shooting at the antlion? Uh, I mean, if you roll a one. Okay. Cool. Noted. So I'm going to roll a one now. Here, death, I'm waiting for you. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, so wow. I called it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 
I, I don't think that oh he boy. should get the Hunter's Mark damage, though. No. So I'm going to go ahead no. and roll this separate. So, sorry. 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 Plus five. Eight. I'm down. <sighs> well, you did say that you were going to roll a one. Yeah. Okay. Salt, we have our first injury. Mm. Uh, looks like a minor one. Um, all the overflow damage comes out of your wounds, and I'm going to need you to make a con save to remain conscious. I took eight damage. I had seven hit points left, so I am at negative one. <laughs> uh, looks like the, the DC is going to be nine. Oh. Yay! <laughs> all right, 21. Yes. Uh, so you remain conscious, but you're lightly injured uh, by this arrow that's sticking out of your back around your right shoulder, and it's just throbbing. And uh, so you're going to have a minus five to your movement speed and disadvantage on ability checks and skill checks uh, until all your wounds are recovered. Good to know. You're welcome. No problem. <laughs> We're talk later. So she Rasmus just pointed at you. And I was like, oh, put him out of his misery? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. No problem. Yeah. Then, then good know. job. Yeah, you were trying to go for the kill shot and get it in the eye, but you got a little overconfident. Yeah, you know. You, but... you thought you could thread the needle and shoot over Salt's shoulder, but next time uh, it wriggled at just the wrong moment, and and you just you didn't quite time it right. Yeah. How many wounds do I have, Jeff? I think you have ten wounds max, so you're down to nine. You are lightly injured until you run out of wounds, then you are severely injured, and the penalties are much, much worse. And uh, we'll, we'll get into that if it comes to okay. it. What does land hands do? Can I use land hands? Yeah, you can heal your HP, but you can't restore wounds. Wounds require time uh, and or powerful magic to recover. Okay. So you can at least use your healing to just sort of pad your HP back up against further injury. Okay. Uh, I guess I will... Um... I'll, I'll lay on hands. Okay, so I'll, I'll do eight and get up to seven temporary hit points again. <laughs> You'll just be really tired when you go to sleep tonight. <laughs> All right, and I I don't have any uh, none of my none of my abilities or anything like that are bonus actions. They're all actions. So, so that's it. Yeah, unless I can unless move actions uh, can be used to squirm. I just might I might I might yell out the at least I'll yell out the phrase. Help! <laughs> I ain't too proud! He's not dead? What happened? <laughs> oh, you didn't kill him. I could take an extreme beating, apparently. Oh, this is gonna get ugly. Yeah, because they do, like, being caught is just bad. Yeah, it's just bad. Yeah. You might want to use all your healing. <laughs> if you have 15 a day or something like that. Yeah. I might, yeah, I probably will. I'll probably just go up to, I'll go up the additional five. Just yeah, I'll let you just do as much as I'm, you can because this is gonna get ugly. Okay, <laughs> all right, so it's their turn again. Uh, let's deal with this one first. All right, it it didn't crit. Lucky you, because it gets advantage to squeeze you while it's grappling you. So you take. Five slashing damage and five acid damage as it continues to just crush you in its jaws. Uh, is that enough to drop you back down? Nope. I was I was at 12. Okay, so now you're down to two. Go ahead and make a strength saving throw as this thing begins to try and pull you back down into its hole. I rolled a 10, so 13 total. All right, that is the DC on the nose. So as this thing is trying to retreat with you back into its hole, 
you manage to just brace your feet against the sides of the pit and get stuck in. Boots don't fail me now. <laughs> and it's not letting go, but you've managed to keep it from pulling you down under the ground. That's that's good, too, because at least it's still exposed. Yeah. You don't want to go in a hidey hole? Because <laughs> I might shoot next time. Yeah. <laughs> might. Another one that's by Decim. Uh, you're positioned on a slope just sort of inside the lip of the sinkhole, and the pain of that powerful necrotic strike had knocked it prone beside you, so it kind of rolls its body to rise back into a striking position and then comes down at you with its pincers. Okay. Jesus. It only rolled a six. Yay. So as it tries to attack, it's still clearly in pain from that last hit, and it just takes a chunk of earth from the rim of the the wall of the sinkhole beside you. So, Dorshan. Go, Dorshan, go. All right, so... Can he he see anything now? Uh, No, he doesn't have line of sight on anything except the the sort of three-foot-wide inky black hole at the bottom of this pit. I'm I'm very aware, and I'm just like... I'm trying to uh, decide what exactly to do, so despite my better um, judgment, I'm going to try to climb out of this pit. Okay, that's an athletics check. Nine... All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that lets you get to the edge, so you can see over the lip of the pit and sort of tell what's going on. But you're you're kind of stuck there. Okay, I'm gonna use my action to um, completely climb out of the pit. Okay, make another athletics. All right, uh, fifteen. You manage to just sort of roll yourself over the edge and sort of shakily get back on your feet, sort of catching your breath. You're you're not used to this much physical exertion. Right, right. And you still had some movement left if you wanted to get somewhere else. All right, one more sec. Just checking the wording of spells. All right, no, I'm done. So rolling over to Decim. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and do cut a little bit more blood from my hand. Kill it. Put it on my sword. So rending strike again. And then I'm going to go ahead and uh, swing. Swing away. Yay, 15. Okay, that hits. So 11 plus 9. Sweet. That is just enough, and uh, it also failed its con save against the spell. So, so as you strike this thing uh, with your blade, another burst of red smoke is driven out of its body, and uh, the necrotic damage manages to rot its chitin just enough so that your blade cuts easily through and spills its guts down at your feet. Okay. Sweet. Good job. Uh, did you want to move? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to move towards Salt and Ramos. So you were just at the very edge of the pit, so uh, you could make it out pretty easily, and then you could you could get most of the way to Salt. So you're able to get close enough that you can see down into the pit uh, just a little bit, and uh, you can barely see Salt holding on for dear life, trying not to get pulled into the hole at the bottom of the pit. And I have nothing left, right? Yeah, that's your that's your turn. All right. Okay, I will try next turn to try to figure this out. Okay, Ramus, it's your turn. So you said I couldn't really see it. It's down in the hole, trying to pull salt deep. Yeah, it's deep enough that uh, it have full cover. So I'm going to go ahead and move up to the hole and try to help. Yeah, you see basically just this thing's head sticking out of the hole at the bottom of the pit with salt gripped firmly in its pincers. Okay, 
because it's epic and I have a bow, I'm going to try to shoot it in the head. I'll just be like, hold still. <laughs> <laughs> Don't move. Stop moving. That was your fault. All right. Yay! Sweet. 24. That'll do it. So, um, 10 total. All right. Uh, 10 is more than enough. You hit it right in its eye, and it begins to squeal and bleed out immediately. I, th- I would, like, shoot another arrow, given a chance. <laughs> so salt as this thing begins to bleed out and we leave initiative order its pincers loosen and you are released from its grip at the very bottom of the pit and as salt takes a moment to catch his breath under the shadow of the antlion's carcass he grips his right shoulder his amulet begins to shake against his chest and as he takes it into his other hand it pops open his breath escapes him as he sees Petra's face without thinking He takes his hand off his shoulder and caresses her image in the mirror, leaving a streak of blood. And as a blinding light begins to emanate from the pit, the scene fades. Petra. Hello. Hello, Petra. You've been in Kahim for a week now, staying at the Blackbird Inn. Well, technically. You've tried your best to let Salt have the room as much as possible, but the mirror has been difficult to control since finishing this last voyage. Two and a half weeks on a galley, skirting around the domain of the Dragon Prince through deep and choppy seas has left you fatigued, but it's certainly nothing compared to what he'd been through. You've made preparations for Salt to join a caravan to the Blood Iron Bastion, ensuring to leave extensive details in your journal. Your cousins to the south indicated the northern enclave was more focused on studying curses. If you can keep your distance for a few days, he may be able to make the trip without any inopportune switches. A day after leaving Kahim, keeping as far as you can away from the mirror's beacon, but without risking your safety, you can see that Salt has stopped moving and left the amulet open. When you go to investigate, you're pulled through and find yourself in an incredibly refined room. The mattress isn't straw, but down and cotton. The sheets are soft and sheeny. There's wine, ale, and mead, along with fine food, seasoned with real pepper, a sweet tort for dessert with fresh berries. Oh, bless. The journal mentions a stone elf scout, a strange sellsword with a bandaged face, and a half-elf seeker priest of Buk. He's taken a job from him in exchange for his knowledge. It's surprising he would trust another Buk cultist after the last one tried to rob you, but he's convinced that there's something different about this one. Something odd. After Salt left the inn, you followed along at a safe distance, but after a time you sensed something was wrong. Chaotic vibrations began to ring out as bright flashes erupted from Salt's position, leaving deep wells of shadow. With growing concern, you moved in closer, seeing that Salt had opened the amulet. He appears to be bleeding from his right shoulder, and as he reaches out to touch the mirror with his bloody hand, you reach out to comfort him. After being pulled through the mirror, you find yourself at the bottom of a dirt pit, maybe ten feet deep. Beside you is the head of a giant ant sticking out from a hole at the bottom of this pit, and its face is cracked and burnt by Salt's attack. An arrow is sticking deep into one of its eyes. Bubbling caustic saliva drips from its huge pincers. Oh, Salty, you always bring me to the loveliest places. So cozy. As you quickly get your bearings, you notice that at the edge of this pit there's an elven scout with some kind of hot pink makeup on his face. He seems momentarily blinded, but you hear more footsteps approaching. 
All right. Um, I'm going to cast Disguise Self, and I'm going to also use the mask that will drop my octave by two. <laughs> and uh, let's finish off this wee beastie. <laughs> Would Disguise Self make your staff look like a giant glaive? Uh, you can make yourself, including your clothing, armor, weapons, and other belongings on your person, look different until the spell ends or I use an action to dismiss it. So everyone else, at this point, Dorshan is still making his way over from the pit that he just climbed out of. Can I attack it? Yeah. All right, so I'm going to say, back, wee beastie, and I'm going <laughs> to uh, vicious mockery it. So it looks like I'm hitting it. But I'm You're just, just savagely beating it with your with your with my words. <laughs> uh, Ramus, you had just shot this thing in the face, yeah. And Decim had just barely gotten a few feet from the pit when there was just this eruption of light from salt that kind of momentarily blinded you. As you regain your sight, you see that the beast has finally expired, and Salt is just sort of bashing it about the head with the back of his glaive. Uh, salt. Are you alright? Oh, I could have been better. Need help up? Yeah, give me a hand. Uh, I'm gonna use, I think that it's what I need a rope to do it. Uh, yeah, a, a not tall person and a dwarf, yeah, you'd probably need uh, a rope or something. I think I've got a rope in my pack. Yeah, just both make athletics checks, and as long as one of you gets a good roll and neither of you gets, like, a really bad roll. <laughs> oh, here goes. <laughs> don't, just don't call it. So Petra gets a 10, and Decim gets a 23. (laughs) All right. So, yeah, I'm definitely uh, helping Salt out of the pit. (laughs) Yes, Salt. (laughs) Yes, so air quotes Salt. uh, You manage to just barely keep a hold of this rope as this imposing cloaked figure just yanks you up in one quick motion, and you almost lose your footing uh, as you're just sort of launched over the edge of the pit. Whoa. And I mean, it's almost like they expect you to, to weigh as much as somebody wearing heavy armor and carrying a giant pole arm or something. Oh, sorry. Oh, it's fine. You eat your Wheaties. What's <laughs> uh, wheat Wheaties? Uh, yeah. Never mind. <laughs> uh, are you all right? Your shoulder? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would be pretty concerned about that. Um, do I notice if it's still there? Uh, the arrow is gone, but would uh, Petra have thought to mimic the wound? Uh, if I had seen it in the mirror, yes. Otherwise, no. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen the arrow, but you would have seen that he was bleeding. Then, yeah. Are you making any attempt to, like, pretend that you're hurt? I mean, I'm clutching the shoulder. All right, if you want to make a deception check, I'll give you advantage because of the spell. Ooh. Okay, I think a, a 17 beats everyone's passive insight. Yeah, I think so. And I don't think anyone is feeling particularly suspicious at this moment. I'm fine. I'm fine. So you're all relatively convinced that he's pretty badly hurt, and uh, but he's just sort of gritting through it. Do you look dead, Dorshan? I'm not dead, but I'm definitely resting. I've been crushed and burned by acid. I'm not feeling particularly good. You should not wander off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, completely fresh, and I'm feeling guilty, but I'm probably not going to say a damn thing to Salt about it. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just going to mention that, uh, Petra, you you actually don't know that Salt got shot in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll just uh, sit down and uh, 
Let's see, does an explorer's pack come with bandages? I don't think it comes with a healing kit, but I'm sure that you have, like, just some loose... Yeah, I'll pretend to, to wrap the area. I'm Actually, I am going to cast a heal spell on myself. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, the, the, so the party sees Dorshan collect himself for a moment and gesture around his chest and arms where the creature had grabbed him, and he seems a, a bit revitalized by, uh, what's that, uh, seven hit points. Oh, that's much better. Oh, wow. Dorshan, you look better. Thank you. I, uh, I don't feel much better. Is everyone else all right? I'm fine. I... We should keep moving. Are you sure, Assault, you were bleeding? Oh, I know. Uh, don't worry. Uh, lay on hands. I'll be fine. Here, let me see to that. So I'll step forward to check on uh, Salt. Oh, no, no. I Trust me. I got this. And I try and wave him off. Maybe a persuasion check? Yeah, let's try that. I'm going to hold your 17 deception for now, which, again, it's not like... Well, okay, because it's disguise self and not alter self, if he wants to do an investigation, but I don't think I've been that shady. Yeah, with no one having any real reason to suspect you, and uh, Dorshan would know from the 20 that he got when he met Salt that as a guardian of the choir, Salt has some degree of healing magic, so no one really has any reason to, to press you on this. Uh, so we should uh, move on, right? Yes, I think we should get out of here immediately. Too bad that the horse died. Yeah, the the farmer's still over there, like, looking through his cart and trying to figure out what he's going to do. We need to get going. All right, so you guys you guys take off? We've lost enough time on this. He looks like he's fine, so I think we should keep moving. Yeah, he's uninjured. He just lost a, a, a horse that's worth probably... Looks looks healthy. It's probably about a fifty silver piece horse that he oh, just lost. <laughs> yeah, but he's going in the opposite direction, so I don't know. I I mean, we could offer assistance, but okay, I'll I'll approach him. Yeah, I'm I'm not gonna make you roll for this. It it looks like he's just sort of going through his cart and everything that spilled out, and sort of the shock has started to pass while you all were collecting yourselves and chatting, and he seems like he's trying to figure out the most valuable things that he can carry by himself uh, and not have to leave unattended. I'm very sorry about your horse, sir. Uh, my mates and I were on our way to Blood Iron Bastion. If you have family there, maybe I can carry some of your stuff back. Oh, well, it's not the first horse I've lost to those damn things, and they keep running off with my neighbor's cows. I... I I mean, I'll miss my market day, and you already saved my life, so it's probably too much to ask, but uh, if you could help me get my cart back to my farm. Is it far? Uh, it's about three hours from here, maybe maybe two hours out of the way if you're headed to the border. Uh, well... Salt, let's go! Aye, aye, aye. If, uh, if, if you folk could uh, at least help me get my cart to Lotenden, at least I wouldn't have to leave all my stuff here on the road unattended. Can we just get uh, the things back on his cart? Can we just do that? Assault, if you really want, it, it might be okay. The, can we barter a trade for helping out? Oh, you mean like uh, send people from the next town? No, uh, money for help. Oh, uh, I, I, uh, I could give you uh, 
Uh, uh, he he pulls his coin purse out and starts rifling through it and and he says, uh, I don't have much coin on me, but uh, I I could give uh, you six ten pennies just to help me with the cart. I don't know if that's fair trade for. We can send the guard when we reach Lotenden. We'll travel faster that way. Let's go. Sorry, we're in a bit of a rush. Uh, we'll be sending the guards your way. Oh, uh, all right. If if that's your choice. No, no. Uh, what's your name so I can tell the guard? Uh, Harold. Okay. Uh, Harold's farm. Okay. And thank you again, sir. Uh, may the odds make her smile on you. Stone's blessing. All right, I rejoin the party. It was a good idea. It uh, if he had had something to exchange, ex- is that the word? Yeah, yeah, he's right. Uh, but, but six pennies is low. Oh, I. We're losing daylight. Let's move. All right, so I think I had said it was about lunch when you were attacked. So I'd say it's late afternoon when the hills open into a wide, flat valley and you arrive in Lotenden. And as you approach the village, you can see that it's little more than a collection of inns and taverns with basic services for caravans waiting on their goods to be searched before crossing the border into the Iron Dwarf's territory. There are smiths and carpenters repairing wagons, horses are being fed and watered at stables, and... I mean, you'd be surprised if there were more than a hundred people living here, and yet it seems to hum with activity. The village itself isn't walled, but looming over it is Lodestone Keep, the Iron Dwarves' border station, a trapezoidal pyramid of deep black stone 200 feet wide at the base, rising 50 feet in the air. A slender tower extends another 50 feet up, with a large red crystalline sphere mounted at the top. The craftsmanship of the structure is as refined as the design is utilitarian. A simple border wall runs off in each direction, and the few windows are made of an opaque red glass. Heavy canvas tenting hangs over the courtyard at the keep's entrance, and every structure in the village seems oriented around this space. Uh, is there a guard Petra can approach? Or salt? Salt. Should we, should we pronunciate salt differently if it's uh, <laughs> Petra? <laughs> Air quotes, salt. I can do salt. <laughs> Or salty. Salty. Uh, I... Salty. 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 Salty boy. We have ourselves a salty boy. My wee salty boy. Uh, there is... If you're looking for the Lotenden guards, uh, you would see a building just off the village center that's hanging the purple and gold flag of Kahim. Uh, it's sort of the only symbol of authority you can see. Hello? Uh, so as you knock on the door frame and peek in... Uh, you see kind of an older gentleman, average build. He's not wearing any armor, no sword at his hip. He doesn't look like he's ready for a fight. He's just sort of kicking back with his feet up. He's got like that classic piece of straw in his mouth. His hat is pulled down over his eyes, and he's he's not really paying any attention, and he's probably taking a nap. Uh, I don't know if uh, you know Harold the Farmer, but... Uh, oh, what? Hi, hello. <laughs> uh... So we ran into a, a gent on the road about three hours back. Uh, his name's Harold. Uh, oh, Harold. Oh, is he the guy who... Uh, his uh, cart got attacked by uh, these big beasties. Oh, another one of those. Uh, it's a bit late in the season. Bold to attack the roads. Yeah, uh, thought we'd do him a solid. Uh, his horse got 
eight. Be nice if uh, you can send maybe some of your boys to help out. Yeah, sure. I, I'm sure I can get someone to volunteer or maybe scrounge up a horse. Good on you, man. Thank you. Fair play. Thank you. Uh, yeah, all, all right. All right, I'll go. Uh, Salty goes in, catches up with the others. The guy immediately, like, actually make a perception check as you leave. All right. He just, you got a 15 on your perception check. He just immediately, like, leans back into his chair, and you're pretty sure he just went back to his nap. Motherfucker. Huh. Dick. All right. Uh, <laughs> That's not cool. Yeah, uh, not cool. Um, all right, so we'll just have to check in with uh, the local gossip pool then. Are we heading to the inn? Actually, uh, I wanted to stop off at the uh, um, at the people who are searching the or um, checking the caravans and see how far ahead our caravan is. Okay, so as you approach the courtyard, there are a handful of dwarves standing guard outside, checking paperwork and inspecting cargo. The caravan they're looking over is smaller than the one you were traveling with, and it looks more like a just a group of farmers that came together for strength of numbers. They have the exasperated expression of a group that's been waiting all day. The dwarven soldiers are wearing full black steel plate armor with red lenses fitted into the visor slits. Not an inch of skin is exposed. And overseeing the soldiers is another dwarf with a slighter build wearing heavy black robes embroidered with white trim and golden black arcane runes. Their pointed hood is much like an executioner's hood, except they're wearing bug-eyed goggles with dark red lenses. Pardon me. Oh yeah, you'll have to wait your turn, buddy. I just need to ask a question. Uh, make it quick, we were supposed to wrap this up hours ago, but some genius decided to hide a Kassili Drudrat in his cart. So we've had to do a deep search. Okay, so a caravan came in earlier. I'll mention the name of the caravan leader. Sure. Um, passed through here about a day ago. How far ahead of us is he at this point? Oh, right. They they came through. Uh, that was the heavy caravan from Kahim. They showed up yesterday and, and passed through at dawn. Paid for the overnight inspection. All right, day ahead of us. Okay, thank you. At the rate we're going through this line, it'll be more like a day and a half, buddy. I'll um, walk back to the group. They're a day and a half ahead of us. That's considerable. I don't think we catch them. I agree. We might as well just spend the night here and then head out to uh, the Bastion on foot. As big as fight was before, I agree. Let's see where we can rest our feet. Yes. So as you guys are talking... Um, that same dwarf that Dorshan was talking to comes over to the edge of the, the canvas tenting and just, like, you can barely hear that they're, like, shouting and, like, waving for you to come back. Like, they, they are not going to step out into the direct sunlight, even in their full, like, heavy clothing. And they're just, they're, like, waving at Dorshan to, to come back. All right, I'll turn back and uh, move back under the uh, the tented area. Oh, hey, thanks, thanks, buddy. Hey. I, I just realized that uh, you're you're the guy, right? You're the guy that's supposed to meet with Olive? Yeah, we need to get you through here quick. You're behind schedule. Um, I was really hoping to uh, spend maybe a day healing up, but if uh, you need to get us through immediately... Well, look, you, you want to stay on schedule. You, you got to either catch up to the caravan or you got to take the tunnel path. And I don't, I don't know if I recommend that route for you surface folk. And, and then he kind of pauses as he sees Ramus and Decim. You can't see his expression, but you can tell he's kind of straining to see them. And Well, I mean, 
you might be all right. I, I can't frankly recommend it to surface folk, but a, a group like yours in a hurry, it, it might be safer than cutting off the roads to get ahead of the caravan. If the underground road can guarantee us um, a quicker route, um, then we'll suffer it. Well, the tunnel is more of a straight shot with a fairly even grade, but the high road winds around a bit to avoid some particularly nasty wilds. But, you know, while we do our best to patrol it, there's always some shroud-forsaken gobbo or crawly slipping in there. What sort of crawly thing are we going to be expecting? Oh, well, you know, everything that used to live in the depths, uh, now it's up in the crust. Everything from spider folk to bull maggots and mantles and magma worms. No matter where you go in Ephesia, there's probably something just a few hundred feet below the surface that would love to lay some eggs in your brain. Oy. Fair play, fair play. Still, if it if it gets us to our destination faster and allows my uh, my group to have a respite after our encounter on the road, I that's what I would prefer. Well, there's no day or night underground, so if you folk need a rest, we've got a spare bunk room in our barracks. Of course. Thank thank you for uh, um, giving us this opportunity. Oh well, all right then. Uh, we'll just need to take a look at your stuff, and then we'll cut you ahead of everyone else. Of course. Um, all right, they're going to search us so that we can uh, get our, our travel passes through the Underground Passage. We're not going to uh, take a wee rest first? Oh, we'll we'll take a rest, but let's get the search done now, and then we can... Like I said, we'll get you set up inside so you can rest in one of our bunk rooms. Uh, it's just, uh, I just need, uh, where's, where's the head? Well, as soon as we get you in the gate, there's... Sir, I'm just, I'm, we- I'm bursting. Just, where's the bathroom? Oh, well, I mean, you could just go down in that alley. All right, all right. I'll, I'll be right back. <laughs> Jerks. Yeah, but you have a, a wee willy, so, you know. <laughs> I do have a wee willy. No, it's not that. <laughs> I'm not ex- All right. <sighs> I'm going to spend an action drop the uh, uh, disguise. Okay. And uh, if I leaf through the journal, did uh, Salt get everybody's names down? Yeah, he said that the stone elf is named Ramus, the uh, the scary fucker is named Decim, <laughs> and uh, the priest is named Dorshan, but I'm not sure he would have given you the pronunciation. So uh, Yeah, but everybody's been talking at each other. Yeah, I guess, I think you might have heard someone say Dorshan once, but in the journal it's spelled uh, Dork's Zane. <laughs> okay, Dork's Zane. <sighs> All right. Um, I'm going to see if I can approach the party from a different angle, or will I be spotted? If you go past the end of the alley, you can just kind of come around the back of one of these buildings. Okay, Th- that's... Uh, yeah, but you wouldn't be able to come out from a totally different direction without crossing the square or going all the way no, around No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Just not coming right back out from the alley that Salty went down. Yeah. Okay, so I'll... Uh... I'll walk up and, uh... Wait! Excuse me. Are you the priest of knowledge that my friend was traveling with? Uh, Dorshin? Dorshin. Dorshin, yes. Yes, uh, um, your companion was just here. I believe he's around the corner relieving himself. <laughs> uh, he, uh, has a wee bladder. Uh, did Salty say anything specific to you? Um... He told me if I were to see you to tell you that he had given me his word. Oh, lovely. I'm Petra Flintrift. Petra holds her empty palms up and then turns them over to face the ground. Oh, yes. Um, Basalt mentioned that you might be here. 
Where, this is going to take I'm... a new deception check. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Come on, big money. Oh. Son of a fuck. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Petra rolls a 10, or I roll a 10. My digital dice do not love me. So, again, Dorshan, just like Salt, like, you don't know exactly what is up with these two. <laughs> like, you're just meeting this person for the first time, but she's lying about salt the same way that he was lying about her but i mean at least you know that this isn't like his secret girlfriend in canada like she exists now like she's a person that is a real person but for some reason she's lying about salt and salt was lying about you know where she was and you you have no idea why yes (laughs) go ahead and describe petra for us lila uh, so, uh, Petra is a copper dwarf, just like Salty. Uh, she has uh, long, fluffy red hair and a fluffy red beard. Uh, she's wearing she's wearing traveling clothes, but underneath she does have um, um, a runic symbol of the uh, the Sisterhood of the Voice. Uh, she has a quarterstaff and uh, her pack, and she's trying to be cheerful and unassuming right now <laughs> almost a little too unassuming and almost a little too cheerful yeah yeah nothing everything <laughs> great it's great everything's great um i almost hate to point this out but um did you remember to unwrap your shoulder no <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna i'm gonna um that that's on me just um remembering that so i'm gonna do a uh, perception check to notice that i uh i don't know if if um we would be like standing there talking to petra and then wondering how long it's gonna be before he finishes taking a whiz but like <laughs> i would think he'd be like coming right back you know <laughs> no 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 he, he's going to meet up with us later uh he was a bit injured <laughs> 14 so i think i'm just gonna go ahead and say 14 isn't white enough to see the bandages under the the cloak uh but i am gonna say that petra will keep that 10 deception for the rest of the scene fair play fair play that means that like since there wasn't enough time for you to have a real conversation with salt uh when you try to convince them like oh no he'll he'll be here later like it's just it all kind of rings a little hollow and just a little suspect well we best get moving right yes let's um take a rest in the keep Okay, so uh, as they... Watches you go by with side eye. (laughs) (laughs) So as you all gather under the tenting for the inspection, uh, they... Uh, I would like to interrupt. Yeah, because they're starting to approach to inspect your bags and and examine your weapons. Uh, I'm going to have Desim take Dorshan aside very quickly and go, "Uh, Dorshan, I... uh, uh, Contra... Band in pack. Oh, are you kidding me? No, I I show you, uh, trust you. Uh, it's it's bad. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn to um to the iron dwarves and say, is this really necessary? Uh, and I'm gonna try and make a persuasion to uh to get them to not search us and just let us in. Okay. 18. Um, We're tired from the road, and 
it's really just been a long day having enc uh, encountered those giant burrowers. Um, uh, it's like we could really just use a rest. Uh, I can I can personally vouch for my companions. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Garibands, lots. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, you have lot to look at. We are a small group. Uh, I... I think what my companion is trying to say is that you're a busy man, and there's really no need to take time on us when you have uh, um, caravan leaders chomping at the bit to uh, get their goods inspected. I mean, I really shouldn't. I mean, it's. I'm going to assume you've got something you shouldn't. I, I mean, we all do, so... Uh... Fine, it's... <coughs> Silver! <coughs> no, I'll... I, I will... I will slip him a silver and say, Thank you, I, I appreciate your, uh, um, your understanding. Yeah, yeah, sure, thanks. He kind of looks at the coin, and even with the hood on, you can tell that as he takes it into his hand, he just... He doesn't value it at all. Like, this is not why he's letting you through. Oh, well, look... I'm just going to trust that someone of your order wouldn't bring anything into the Bastion that could do any real harm. And, you know, whatever it is you got, just don't let anybody see it. No, no worries. I'm going to do a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he just kind of gives this quick gesture to the soldiers, and they return the few things that you'd already handed over to them, and then they lead you to the gate. The gate itself is 10 feet high and 20 feet wide. It's two solid plates of cold iron with minimal decorations. It opens up to this windowless antechamber that could fit the entire caravan you were traveling with just a few days before, and with uh, another pair of massive cold iron gates on the other side of the room. As you step inside, the doors begin to close behind you, blotting out every last ray of sunshine. And when the last mote of sunlight is extinguished, Desim reflexively lets out a sigh of relief. Even with their protective gear, this darkness is like a great weight lift off their shoulders. All of you take notice as well that when they're no longer in competition with the sunlight, there are these red crystalline lamps inset into the walls and ceiling. Because none of you are human, and every fucking race in 5th edition has dark vision, once your eyes adjust, they provide just enough light that you can see normally. Except for Petra. Since the deserts have weakened the Copper Dwarves' dark vision, the, the light is a bit dim to you like night under a full moon. You're a little surprised at how quickly your eyes adjust to the red light and you can see color again, with only the blues seeming a bit suppressed. As the gates in front of you open, you see that the harsh and utilitarian facade of this keep was concealing a grand interior with delicate and artful decorations. Tall and slender iron pillars hold up the vaulted ceilings. Reliefs are carved into the walls, decorated with colored glass featuring precious stones and inlaid with gold and silver trim. The ground is dug out four stories deep in ten-foot steps, with bridges crossing at each level. More of these red lamps fill the keep with this soft, calming light, and at this ground level there appears to be a small bazaar, with a bridge crossing straight ahead to the exit gate. Just from what you can see, you'd guess a thousand dwarves could live in this structure, and there's no telling how far out or how far deep it goes. The civilians and merchants inside are wearing brightly colored clothes that stand out against their dark skin as well as the black stone and iron of the structure. Their hair color is equally loud, ranging from rust to cobalt to aquamarine. If you catch one in the eye, you see that the whites of their eyes are actually red, and they have no irises, only these massive dark pupils. 
In their casual attire, it's also clear that these dwarves are a bit shorter and a bit more slender than their cousins. Oh, and Ramus is still bright pink. So as the party is ushered from the antechamber into the keep's grand interior, we'll go ahead and cap the episode here. Join us next time as our party takes a little nap and then only just begins to understand what they've gotten themselves into and why the guard captain was so insistent that the low road may not be suited for surface folk. Thank you all for listening to the end. Please remember to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. We're currently on iTunes, Google, and Stitcher. We're also on YouTube, but those are falling a little bit behind. We promise to get caught up as soon as we can. If you enjoy the podcast, please share us on social media. You can find us at Death and Axes on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. We're trying to post some of our maps and sketches up there so you can have some fun following along with our party's travels. And if you tweeted us with name suggestions using the hashtag DAANames, we may just use your suggestion for an NPC or place name and give you a shout out on the podcast. Thanks again to Rob Quillen for our theme song, at Rob Quillen on Twitter and Facebook, and thanks again to Kelly Bordner for our graphic design. We really appreciate you all coming along with us on our adventures, and we'll see you next time.